0: Everybody, uh, that's what you want a septuagenarian making wah wah noises. Into, yeah, no, you can, I can hear all Hello. of it. Hello, oh, hey, you can. guess what, folks? You are making history, um, because this is a first, this is the first podcast ever to be recorded in my living knowledge uh, at the Newport Comedy Room here at uh the Newport Bolo, the, the, that's right, make a bit of noise because podcasting is all that. Have a look at these glasses, first of all, all right? So just get over the glasses. They have one handle. Um, if we can just move on from the fact that my glasses are broke, that's fine. So, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what we need for the recorded information, which is welcome to our podcast, Funny About Books, a series of live recorded interviews with comedians who author books... Comics whose reach extends beyond the punchline. Writers who take a sentence for a very long and winding walk. And in this episode, we interview two long-standing stand-ups. Wordsmiths in their own right, one man is so well-regarded, he's honoured with both an Order of Australia medal and the mantle of living treasure. Moi? (laughs) Sorry, pal. Thank you. Or is that just a euphemistic way of saying we can't believe you're still at it? 47 years in the business. Hello, Rod (laughs) Quantock. Thanks, Stella. Thanks, crowd. And a man who arrived in Australia via Saigon, owning little more than a bad pair of flares, the self-confessed crappiest refugee, Hung Lee. Yay. Ni
1: hao. Ni hao.
0: Ni hao. Now, first of all, each of you are working comedians and published authors. So let's get to the heart of it, your namesakes. First of all, for one point, Rod, what is a Quantock? It's a
2: range of hills in England.
0: Oh, there you go. Excellent. So a Quantock is a range of hills. Well, that's very good. But Hung, yeah, your, your name has a whole other meaning, right?
1: Yeah, it's a bunch of valleys. No. no. LAUGHTER <laughs> Well, in Vietnamese it means renaissance man, but in Chinese it means fastest son of red-haired European.
0: That's right. <laughs> so, now, both of you are comedians, both of you are authors, are writers. So, which came first, the writing or the comedy, and may I start, you know, Age Before Beauty? Um, <laughs> Rod.
2: Oh, the stand-up came first.
0: And 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 how exactly? Because when you began stand up, if I may say,
2: well, when I began stand up, it was a long time ago, and there, well, we didn't have computers, <laughs> and uh, or paper. Well, I was just going to say I was poor, so I didn't even have pen or paper. So much of my early writing is chiselled, <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah. it's uh, weathered badly. No, I just started. I've never written anything that I do on stage. Um, and, look, I feel like a bit of a sham being here really, Um, (laughs) published one book of collected writings that I did for a newspaper.
0: And look, publishing a collected piece of work, is that just kind of like, did you choose them yourself? Did you actually go to that extent of choosing the pieces yourself or did you let your editor do that?
2: Oh no, I wouldn't let an editor do that. They mightn't have a sense of humor. I've noticed that over time. no, I chose them. No, they were the ones that uh, I wanted um, to be remembered by, really, as I thrust this little baby of mine out into the publishing world where it wasn't advertised or in any way promoted and it sank to the bottom of the <laughs> library shelf. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can still get it uh, through the library interchange system. <laughs> I think it's got to
0: you might have to take a moment to explain to the audience what, what is a library...
2: They're old. Look at them. They know what a library is. Hands up anybody under 50. (laughs) See, two.
0: Now, uh, Hung, when you came along, there was a fairly substantial comedic uh, habitat, uh, which you document very vividly in your particular memoir, The Crappiest Refugee, but you took an alternate and different direction to Rod.
1: Yeah, when we came here, we didn't have any paper or pen or anything. So, um, so I wrote my book on my um, phone. No, no. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what are you saying?
0: Well, when, when I was 30,
1: i have written three books. I wrote one when I was 30, one when I was 40 and one when I was 50. Okay. So it takes yeah, 10 years for me to get enough stories.
0: Excellent. So, but the question was, did writing come first or comedy?
1: Um, comedy came first because yeah, I, I really I failed English in HSE. Um, so I got f- did I. Ah, there you go. But you put it there. I got
2: a first class honour in English literature. Ah. Oh. The first person to fail the language, <laughs> but to. But you can read it well. Yeah, no, I could read it exceptionally well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I couldn't even read it well. Yeah, I went, yeah, in high school, yeah, uh, year 12, my short essays were only two inches long. Hey, but you, best,
0: you invented the tweet.
1: I invented <laughs> tweeting. I didn't even know. There wasn't even the so internet. So what were they? Uh,
2: on my holidays, I escaped from Vietnam. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> what, I did, what, what I did on my summer holidays. Sailing yeah. away. Not with a bang,
0: but a whimper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, but I didn't know. Like, you know, I, 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 people used to write essays that went on for ages. And I only knew like, how to write, you know, this is the subject... Yeah, you know, you'd say something about it, and then you, and then you finish, and that's, that's a it. Joke. That's a joke. I didn't even know I was writing jokes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, so I started writing jokes. So I went to Sydney when I was 20 to um, work the Sydney, to, to Sydney uh, comedy areas, and um, this dude came up to me in the pub and goes, "Hey man, you should write a book." So I rang my agent Michelle Wilde, rang my agent back, and she goes, "Don't write it, anyone." You, Give me a couple of days. So she rang up Penguin Books, and she said, oh, i got you a meeting with Penguin Books. And I, I just just started comedy. And then I uh, flew back to Melbourne, and she uh, had a meeting at Mario's with the Penguin Book Lady. And, she, and I, she, my, my Michelle she said, look, just write, some of your, just write one page of your stand-up. It was all my Vietnam War stories. And um, the woman, at my, at, at, at the, she was sitting there. She would started reading my stuff. She started shaking. She goes, "I'll give you a, a contract on the strength of this alone." I'm going, "You beauty!" So, um, so they gave me ten grand, and I blew it. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I've never had 10 grand before, <laughs> so I joined Circus Oz, I joined Circus Oz and I blew the whole thing and I didn't write anything and then we, had, we had to have a, another meeting at Mario's and she said, look, I want, we want our money back, we haven't written anything, oh, right, I'll write it, she goes, all right, <laughs> right you know, we just have a meeting every week and give me 10 pages every week and that's what I did, we went, met at Mario's every week with 10 pages and, and a book came out of it, yeah.
2: Did you write your, you write your stand-up material?
1: Yeah, I just wrote stand-up material.
2: So you would have had a sort of base of stand-up material to put into the book?
1: Yeah, I had ten minutes of material. Mm -hmm. So I was going around Sydney (laughs) trying to plug ten minutes of material. And I just wrote about my life. It was my first memoir. It was very small. And, yeah, about my life and all all my uh, playing the violin and and busking and going to Edinburgh. And that that, that was my life at that time. So, yeah, I just wrote it down and they liked it. Well, so they should have.
0: Now, one of the dangers for comedians, though, is to... uh, ...in the age of technology... ...is to let somebody either film you or record you... ...or then upload you to YouTube. Because what you just did and what you've just described to your publisher... ...is that you pretty much put your livelihood on a couple of pages... ...and handed it to her... ...for the cost of a Mario's coffee, which is about $17.50. So it was probably pretty good coffee. But, yeah. um, but you, you know, that, that's, a, that's a dilemma for comedians, isn't no, it? No, it
2: doesn't work that way. What it does is it sells a thousand times more tickets to your shows. Because the written word, what, reading it on your own... ...and they, they really are wonderful books, you must get them... Um, ...is very different from sitting in an audience... ...and uh, watching a stand-up comedian. So it it they complement one another. If you remembered to bring some books tonight, no, if I remembered, I didn't bring any.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could have sold some. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, in common, you, look, you two are polar opposites, but it, you, in common you have a pretty strong and fecund political turf from which you kind of mine a lot of your material, if I can say that. But is that how you see it? I mean, Rod, you kind of built a, a brand out of that, but uh, Hang, your, your sort of career is very different and yet most of the stuff that we saw tonight uh, is, is really about sort of having a go at Australian values from, a, I guess, a political wellspring. So I'll I'll give you some second to think about that. You're not
1: welcome here. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think um, Australia enjoy um, to to see it from from, uh, someone else's point of view, like, you know, an Asian guy's point of view, a refugee guy's... I just talk about my life and what is ever happening. But when, you know... Thanks, Mum. Uh, (laughs) And, and when I go overseas, when I go to Edinburgh and stuff to do, do my thing, and people overseas want to hear what's happening in Australia from a, 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 an Asian slant, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah.
0: Oh, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: and yeah, that's, that's all I do. I just write stuff that happens to me, and I'm very lucky that ha- funny stuff happens to me all the time. We don't have a, I don't even ask for it. Like, it's just sh- funny shit happens all the time, so I'm very lucky that way.
0: <laughs> so, Rod, without, without politics as a mainstay, I mean, we, that, that's, that's where you've rooted a lot of your comedic material, that's fair to say, yeah?
2: Well, yes, but I'll remind you I never write it. So,
0: so what, what, what do you do?
2: Um, I read a lot and then I think a lot and then I think how stupid and absurd everything is and then I get up on stage and I tell people that. <laughs> and. <coughs> And it's basically that, really. I'm, look, I'm, it's, not, it's not to be in any way arrogant, but for years and years and years, I've never worried about making things funny. What I've worried about is making them, in my lights, anything anyway true and surreptitiously to try and educate people.
0: Well, that's a good point, though, because what you do in your routines is assume people are relatively well read and what our concern is at the moment is that Australians don't care anymore.
2: Well, they've got too much to read. I mean, by the time you get through the new idea, <laughs> you're, you're really you're struggling. Lunchtime, yeah. yeah. <laughs> struggling for the rest of the week. Um,
1: the doctor's ready for you.
2: Um, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> How did you know? That's where I got it.
0: <laughs> so, do you reckon you can be taught? To do comedy, can you be mentored through this, or is this is this, or is it something you have to be born with the ability to do so? Born with. Mm. other the back, someone says born with. No, the man from Yarraville says born it, with. It, it,
1: um, <laughs> it's it, it's it's really good if you're funny looking. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's half the battle, isn't it? No, oh, you're a lucky bastard. Yeah, thanks. That's half no, the battle, you know, funny no. looking a bit of charm.
2: You, you, can't, you can't teach it to people who don't have the personality and the disposition to do it. Right. Uh, I, I know people who would be fantastic comedians, but they don't want to be. And I know people who are comedians who really should be culled.
0: <laughs> well, well you don't you think know, comedy has its own natural selection?
2: Well, look, again, it's not to be in any way arrogant, but I reckon I can tell within three or four minutes whether somebody's going to be a comedian or can be a comedian. After that, you can mentor them about, um, you know, how you deal with a gig, um, you know, what, what the requirements are, what you, where you can go, you know, those sorts of things, introduce them to people. But you can't teach them how to do it.
0: So who are some you can current... You learn
2: if you've got the basics, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering if you could just tell us who some current comedians are that you don't think are comedians.
1: When I I started... um Thanks, that was... I was just
2: about to start alphabetically.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I had two people mentor me. I had John Herrovin mentor me. me, Oh, you were very lucky. Yeah, the man was just too smart Mm. for his own good. And the man's brain is just so fast i've never seen
0: do you want to I mean, tell some people here who he is in case they don't like know the road, didn't he?
1: john harrowman well
0: how, how how do you he was on
2: abc radio he had yeah. a regular thing on abc radio um and he just won just one comedy festival he did a show in the city and it was it was extraordinary it was a really amazing thing that he did um But he was a mentor to people, and he got a lot of Melbourne comedians on radio. And he was, uh, yeah, he was... Particularly, the problem he had is he lived in (laughs) Yarraville, And, you know, it was a big hike to go and visit him. They were very good to go.
1: (laughs) No, I went to his house once, and... um the ABC was doing a, a documentary when I first started. He said, do you want to be in this documentary about uh, up-and-coming comedians? I said, yeah, yeah, all right. And so um, we went to John Heverman's house to, to learn how to write comedy. And it was at 9 o'clock in the morning. I turned up and he had a bowl of weed and two bottles of champagne. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. He popped the champagne. And he said, well, well, let's go. He rolled joints and drank champagne. And he said, well, just tell me what you want to write. And I was just telling all my stories about leaving on the boat. And everything. And every time I said a story, he would smash his keyboard. That, and there would be a punchline. I would tell a story, and he'd go, and there would be a punchline. It was amazing. He hit his keyboard so hard there was no more letters. <laughs> there was no more letters on his keyboard. This man with his brain was so fast. It was unbelievable. And he taught me. And he and and um, yeah. He, killed himself no, maybe, yeah, yeah he committed suicide i think
0: he that's a hell of a punchline hung to that yeah, story yeah. yeah no that's trying to
1: teach me how to do comedy killed himself mm. <laughs> wow so basically <laughs> okay. you were you were the. Okay. he gave you enough
0: rope uh, um,
1: yeah but yeah he, yeah he he, he, he yeah it's, it's so sad so sad mm. he was my teacher you know and bruno lucia taught, took took me on his wing oh, as okay. well and yeah it was great but, you know, you know, I'm thinking, you know, you've got to be born with it, I think. You've got to be born with funny bones, you know, like the movie Funny Bones. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Jerry Lewis said, you've got to be born with funny bones. And I think you have to be to make it somewhere. And look how far we've come. Yes,
0: absolutely. You've come yes. all the way to Newport. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're winning. You're winning. Um, now, how much of your work is observational? And how much is experiential? Like, how, how do you do your research? Oh, well, I have no experiences. I
2: envy you, who seem to be a magnet for funny things happening. Nothing funny ever happens to me. <laughs> Nothing ever. Um, so, oh, look, I get punctures and I think, gee, I could turn that into a routine, but um, it's a point,
0: really.
2: um, no, no, I do the, what I do is I read.
0: <laughs> do you get stuck in the tram tracks too, right?
2: Oh, I've done all sorts of things. No, <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> twice
2: <you> John Fain's <laughs> driven past me when I've had a flat battery. <laughs> uh, and it uh, uh, exploded.
0: Oh, you would have made his dust. day because, yeah, yeah, God knows that man needs anyway, a lift occasionally.
2: Uh, so, no, I, I just read things. I, I read uh, reportage and I read um, uh, people writing about what's going on, interpretation. So that's what I do.
0: Do you have some go-tos? Like are there's, are Everybody's
2: some got to go to counterpunch.org. org. that? Got, yeah. That's a really fantastic website out of America. Um, and then, no, I won't depress you with the other ones I look at.
0: But are there a couple of writers that you really rely on to kind of give you the I beat on? I rely on, on
2: that web, so, web page. Yeah. So I don't... Oh, look, I guess it's one of the things about reading things online. You just automatically skip over the author. And you think nobody else in Australia is reading this so That's right. I just have that. to
0: interrupt you for one second. There's a woman who is literally losing it in the audience. It could be unrelated to what you're saying. It could just be some private thing. But I feel that we should just throw some attention to her. No. Oh, she, oh no. It's sobering her up. I thought we'd get more out of it.
2: Sure. You can't do that on radio. No. No. No, <laughs> no you can't. No. Anyway, that's that's not even an so audience
1: good. here. No, no. no <laughs> they are fictitious lot, people.
0: Um... And and what about you? Hung, about you know, do do do, do you do?
1: Oh, you when know? I first started, I read every book there was to read. I watched I watched every Charlie Chaplin movie there ever was. Because in 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 Vietnam, my father used to take me to Charlie Chaplin movies, and uh, my mother used to take me to Kung Fu movies, and, and <laughs> I merged them together. <laughs> <laughs> both of them we merged together. So you know I, what I'm do best is. Pretty much slapstick comedy. That's what I do best. Like Mr. Bean stuff. And yeah, from, from, from that, from my father and my mother. But um, yeah, when to do really stand up comedy, that was the hardest thing I could ever do. That's why I I found it. Yeah, it, it wasn't in my yeah uh, talking to people, making Yeah, it wasn't what I do best at all. So I just practice every day, and um, watched I watched every video there ever was. It was um, it was only one video really. It was, it
0: was Eddie Murphy, yeah, it wasn't was it? Eddie Murphy. That yeah. was it. <laughs>
1: there was only two videos ever, and they're still the two best stand-up videos oh, ever. Yeah. Raw and mm. you know, delirious, right? So yeah, they're the only two. Uh, when you know, anyway. So um, yeah, I, I, I watch everybody and read everything, and maybe and usually the Herald Sun is is great. For oh, comedy. it's fantastic, yeah, isn't it? They just they Man, just narrow just it down. A minute. Narrow it down, yeah, for comedy. And
0: pick the typo. Now, what did both of your parents, each of your parents, I should say, think of your choice to become stand-up comedians? Not a lot until I bought a house. Aha!
2: That was it. You're right, you're on your way. Slapped me on my 35-year-old bum and off I went. Oh, 35.
0: You're very progressive these mm. days. Um, and 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 Hung, I can't imagine your poor. No, b- my
1: mum doesn't know. How ah.
0: do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she thinks I'm a cabin steward on a cruise ship. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, well, you know, we we I grew up playing the violin, so we were all classical, custody trained uh, in, in the house because, you know, we're Asian and we got ten fingers and that's the law, uh, <laughs> play classical music. So, yeah I, I, yeah, I started doing classical music. And when I started doing comedy with when, I, when I was 15, I played the violin, don't tell anyone, I played the violin, like, a little bit sharp, mm. you know, it's not really in tune because... Yeah, and um, and it it it's not not it's not it wasn't so really bad, but it was just annoying. sharp, <laughs> and um, so I, so you know everyone was just they hated me in, in in orchestra, in orchestra and stuff. They just who the hell is that? And I was just, oh, it's me. I'm playing sharp again. <laughs> so um, so when I was fifteen, I took my violin. Me and my mate, we went out to um, Bourke Street, the um, the Burke Street um, Meyer Windows for Christmas. And we just started playing Christmas carols and people just threw so much money. This is in the 80s. We had so much money in the 80s because n- nobody ever seen an Asian play out of tune before. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious. And that's when I started doing the comedy. Yeah, play out of tune. Jack and Benny. Pe- Jack Benny, yeah. Jack Benny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you all remember the Hey Hey Saturday episode in which um, uh, Hung Lee's uh, quartet that had five members won? Did, it, yeah, yeah, in '87, In
1: 1987, we took the string quartet to uh, Red Faces, and we won Red Faces. The judge was. Um, red. 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 red yep. um, Lou Richards. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the
2: president of Vietnam. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. The cowboy from the village people. Oh, wow. Well, oh, Nearly. No. Yes. Wow. And yeah, we won. Yeah, we won. um, Cultural
0: maven. It was five
1: years. We won a trip for two to the Gold Coast. (laughs) (laughs) And we said, nah, man, man, we can't take this. And they said, what are we going to do? And they said, oh, well, two of you can fly and three of you can catch the coach. (laughs) And there's no accommodation. We said, well, you can't take that either. So we said, look, how about you guys bring us back the next week as a paid guests? On the Johnny Farnham going away special.
0: Oh, the first of many.
1: Johnny Farnham went away in 1987. Yeah, and he still is. And he and still hasn't yeah, gone away yet. No. Hey, and they've here. found
0: life on Mars and apparently his promoters have booked yeah. him a gig. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. There, yeah. Well, what? What was the question?
0: Oh, what was the question?
1: <laughs> um, oh, My parents. Yeah. yeah oh, they, they didn't. They don't, my, Both my parents were artists, and so I didn't even care. They didn't want me to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything. They said, "Look, as long as you're playing music, you're still doing art." And my dad said, "Look, if, 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 as long as you're not selling smack, you do whatever you want." Yeah. Because back then, you know, <laughs> that so you started people, selling coke, uh, selling yeah. coke instead. Yeah. So um, yeah. So they didn't. They, they didn't. They did just let me do whatever I wanted. Really.
0: So yeah.
2: No, my, I was much the same.
0: And and as you say, you know, the buying of the house, that is the the great divider, isn't it? But I was
2: the first person in the family to go to university. So, you know, I had something to fall back on, which was an unfinished degree in architecture. (laughs) 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 So that was good. But I was on New Faces in 1960. What was um, was it called, New Faces? Hey, hey. Hey, no, no, but there was oh. a show called New Faces with Bert oh, Newton. New Faces? Yeah. And uh, I was on that in, I don't know, 1970 or something. And I went out and did a routine, that I did about a football coach. And everybody loved it. It was a good routine. It had been honed. It was class. Um, but there was this girl on. There was this girl on from Gippsland who was a thalidomide baby. So she had... Well, what they had the really truncated um, arms, and she sang um, this song, um, "Stand by your man, <laughs> give him two arms to hold him. <laughs> oh. and the audience's tears are <laughs> coming. A- <laughs> so I came second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I, I should think so. And yeah, I wonder
1: why <laughs> I'm bitter. I was on new faces. Yeah. Yeah. When- Bert Newton, I was on, I went on Bert Newton, New Faces, and Kamal was a judge, and Kamal and Ronnie Burns were the judge. But um, yeah, Barry Crocker's daughter was on singing, singing cats, memories <laughs> from cats, and you know I came second. Well, yeah. if you've met Barry
0: Crocker, you'd understand why. Now, h- how, do, how do we rate as a country for satire? Because five out of ten. <laughs> I ask that because Rod. I would imagine you have some fond memories of the Fraser era... Uh, ...of which at the time everything was Fraser, boo, Whitlam, yay... ...although in his retirement Malcolm Fraser has become quite the elder statesman... ...and has proven himself to be a, a you know a man who's very erudite and aware. Let me finish. But
2: I'm, Hung, I'm shifting uncomfortably. Yeah, I
0: can feel that. <laughs> but Hung, you came to Australia pretty much on the back of a, a very strong Fraser incentive... And, and and the the Vietnamese community are uh, in adoration of what Malcolm Fraser did for many many refugees from Vietnam. Yeah,
1: Gough Whitlam didn't want us here, hey? Mm, no, no, no. I mean, think stealing to Australian comedian's yeah, job, jobs. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> your job. <laughs> So yeah, I think the White Australia policy just finished. I think it's 1973.
0: I think oh, it never finished, huh? No, it it back? never <laughs> it's finished.
1: Back. <laughs> it's back. So we had to, yeah, we were languishing on um, refugee camps, waiting for Golf Whitlam to get fired. Really, yeah.
0: It was you. Yeah. You were you were the cause. Yeah. You were the reason.
1: No, no, it wasn't the reason. But um, yeah. We, no. Uh, we were waiting, and Malcolm Fraser took heaps of people. He took everybody, and so uh, Vietnamese people love Malcolm
0: Fraser. Mm.
2: And and what do you reckon about that, Rod? Well, I think that's an example of every silver lining having a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, there are, you can't win in this country because the country's run by corporations, so you just can't win. They buy everything, they get everything they want, um, they own the media, um, they've destroyed the unions, they've privatised everything we own that uh, uh, we used to make profits from, and... You know, I think that too often we overlook the concept of assassination. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just seems to be the only practical solution that I can find. That's democracy's fine. not no, working. No,
0: I'm I'm very pleased that release form is wide reaching <laughs> and global. So, um, an issue that's come up with a lot of writers uh, more recently is the idea of. Um, where to draw the line between cultural appropriation and censorship. So we're getting, you know, we, we're living in the, the time of outrage oh, culture. Yes,
2: I know, ten tweets and you're gone. Yep, that's oh, right. No, absolutely. So,
0: so where does that place the comedian slash author these days? Well,
2: as a, uh, <laughs> as a white, um, Anglo-Scottish, Saxon, um, Cornwallian, purebred <laughs> Aryan... Um, <laughs> I don't need to. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't need to appropriate other people's cultures. But it, it's not a good time, time to be a best white culture.
0: Well, it's not a good time. I'm a time man to...
2: too. Yeah. I mean, I just live in paradise. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Me and Sam
1: Newman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm Rod's cabin Stuart.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but sometimes, look, I watch your routine. Uh, hung, and sometimes I kind of get a little bit of envy that you can take that that whole uh, um, politically incorrect behaviour and just you know blow it out of a cannon.
1: Really? really? Well, yeah, you, you can. You can. Really? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you well,
0: and, and I guess you put your stamp on the entire Asian community as well. You can kind of get away with talking well, I, about. Well, I, I turn
1: it into like my stories. Hey. I turn it into the. This is what happened to me, so people can't really say, "Look, Hung, you're making stuff up." But um, I'm sure a lot of people have come up and said, "Look, you know, it's so great that you're taking the piss out of your own people." And I just go, "Mate, I take the piss out of you, but you don't even know it until yeah, right. 2:30 in the morning, yeah. you know." Yeah. And I've already gone to bed, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 my se- that's my secret. Like I make it sound like I'm taking the piss out of myself, but I'm really not. I'm taking the piss out of the audience, really. that's my secret <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Now you've each written for stage, for screen and also for uh, non-fiction and memoir and um, what, what, what do they each take from you because they're each a very different medium. What do you reckon Rod? Do, do, do you know do you say you don't write stand-up so
2: No but I have written for television and I've written newspaper articles and magazine articles so I have written things um, it's just about what you write about. Well, what you want to talk about um, and then making it funny. And if you do it in words, that's one way. If you do it as stand-up, it's another way. So, I, I mean, I, don't, I can see there's a different discipline um, and there's a lot of skills in writing that I just don't have. Um, so, if I write now, I really struggle because I haven't written anything for probably 20 years.
0: But you told a great story tonight about... Putting into a bottom drawer a lot of material that you didn't feel was appropriate uh, to allow through uh, to say commercial TV network, but then you finally sort of see it cropping up anyhow. So that that's a particular kind of a a well.
2: Yes, that's well. Look, every uh, every performer has in some way a master, and if your master's commercial television, you may as well slit your wrists (laughs) and call it a day. (laughs) And the ABC is. The ABC does some... It's done a lot for comedy over the years and continues to do that. Um, But it's so under the the watchful eye of the Liberal Party and the Murdoch Press. Um, Look, I worked on a show called Backburner and um, I... uh, Well, I wrote something that... um, turned out to be quite controversial and somebody complained. And it took a year of the Complaints Department's time to investigate that claim. Um, So next time I did something like that, I leaked it first um, into the public domain and then did it. So, no, there there are always restrictions and and life performing is the least restricted. You know, you just need to have something in common with people and often, you know, some gigs you do, you realise the only thing you've got in common with people is breathing. Uh, You really can't do 40 minutes on breathing. Um, But, you know, as I get... Well, look, it's been for a long time. People know me, you know, and people who uh, know me often don't like me, so they don't come, and some Hmm. people do like me. And they come and occasionally a stranger wanders into my view and uh, sometimes we bond and sometimes we don't. <laughs> I'm quite sanguine.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Hung, have you found writing for stage uh, very different to, to when you, write, you, you wrote your novels or uh, do they take something different from you? Or?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, the things you write in your book are the things that don't get laughs on stage. I just put it out in a book, <laughs> 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 and yeah, uh, writing for yeah books and writing on stage are two two different animals, really. Because you, know, you know when you're writing on when you're on stage, you need to the, the response straight away. But, you know, when you're writing a book, you let people think about stuff. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be hilarious when you're, writing on, when you're writing books. And they told me this, Penguin Books told me this, you know, you don't have to write a joke every three lines. I go, well, that's how I learn how to do it. That's the only way I know how to do it. So it's good that they told me that. So, you know, you can write a whole page with not 15 jokes in it. But when you go on stage, you have to have a joke every three lines. You know.
0: How did you feel after your works were published, though? Did you did you feel like you'd sort of let everybody in on on some of your inner secrets, or? Oh, I was like
1: it? having a, you know, a heart transplant. You know. Yeah, you let everybody in. Like, like this book, the, the 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 crappiest refugee. I finished it, and I, I hand it in. And they go, "Hung man, you can't just you can't write a memoir, which is writing." Funny stories, you've got to put feelings into it. I go, what? You go, Hung, you have to put emotions in I go, really? <laughs> because, you know, when you're doing stand-up, there's not really any emotions involved. And so I had to go back and I rewrite I rewrote the whole book, we went through every story I wrote and wrote down how I felt about that situation. It was the hardest thing. It was the hardest thing, hey. But it happened. It came out and I felt really good about it and putting emotions into stuff. My friends were just laughing at me, going, Hung Lee, Hung, he's putting emotions into shit. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, was, and I was crying on the computer. I am like, what the hell's going on? Why is tears coming down on my laptop, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, 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 all, it all comes out. You know, so... It paid uh, off, and it paid
0: off. Yeah, I think it right. did.
1: Yeah, every book I sell, I get a dollar fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> please buy one, <laughs> and then my mum can have that operation if I don't. <laughs> <have that>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, look in these last remaining minutes, and in with the three people left uh, listening to our podcast, um, you're both at an interesting stage of your career. So, is are you are you at legacy stage, like, or does it just keep rolling? Like, what 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 is there a plan?
2: Uh, <laughs> what a funny woman! <laughs>
1: <laughs> is there a plan, Rod? What are you, you doing in the next 30 years?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know you can't shake your head on audio, but I'm <laughs> shaking my head. <laughs> no, Do you keep Wait. writing? Oh, no, I don't write. I've, I've got a research project at Melbourne University, but I've been doing it for two and a half years and I'll never finish it.
0: <laughs> like every other PhD. Just before you finish, I just, just in my research, this is, this is how it kind of came up for me on the internet. Rod Quantock, Research Associate, Research Unit in Public Cultures, University of Melbourne; Associate, Melbourne Sustainability Society Institute, University of Melbourne; Patron of Tandem; Patron of Ardock Youth Foundation's Numeracy Project pro, uh, Program; uh, The Axis of Stupidity, Scum Nation, Boredom Protection Policy, and Part of My Carbon. They're the things you've written. Uh, you've also received several awards, plus your OAM. Uh, plus your living treasure. Oh, the captain Snooze bit, we didn't talk about that. That's all right. We can move on from that. Oh. And then <laughs> Hung Lee. I researched you as well, um, but all I found was that you got a DUI in two, <laughs> thousand and eighteen. So I'm hoping you got your points back.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And they put the they put. I, I got done for drunk driving. On the way to a gig, right? So on the way to the, the gig, on the way to a gig. Oh, so um, and um, <laughs> and I, and I put my picture in the paper, yeah. yeah. And the Herald son "Put my picture in the paper with my kids' book," and my I don't know My mum's going <laughs> oh, well, no. with a kids'
2: book. And I go, "Oh my god!" Oh, they're faster, do they do, don't they're they? Bastards. I um, <laughs> I emceed a march of um, cleaners, unionised cleaners. Um, so Filipinos, are just Middle Eastern people, most of them couldn't speak to one another. Um, so they asked me to lead a march through the city and stop at these places and MC speeches and so on. And I did a lot for the unions, but this time they said, you can have $500. And I said, well, that's, I'd be very pleased with that, that's good. Uh, so the Herald Sun rang me up and uh, then questioned me all about it. And then I became in the Herald Sun a paid protester. <laughs> a professional protester. There you go. And, I, yeah. so, and Andrew got stuck into me. That was good. That's a badge of honour.
1: Really? Uh, I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting.
2: So, <laughs> Wait. something in favour of Muslims, you'll be right. Oh, yeah. Right,
0: right, right. <laughs> we'll all well, be right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming along to our first ever podcast here at Stellavision at the Newport Comedy Room will you please thank our guests authors Hung Lee Ron Quantock yourselves Dave Stokes our audio engineer and uh, we'll see you all again at another Stellavision show and hopefully for another Stellavision podcast thank you all so much for coming along thank you Stella